Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Amen. So let's pray first, and then we're going to get started. Father God, we come before you this day thanking you for all that you are and all that you have been to us. We know, Heavenly Father, that there is none like you. You existed before the beginning. You said you are the end. And Father, we thank you for what you have given to us. We, I praise you this morning, Lord, that this word will prick all of our hearts, will help us, Heavenly Father, to see you a little bit clearer, Heavenly Father, not that you aren't. But Father, we just thank you, God, again, for your word, that it will do what it was sent out to do, that it would not return void. Father, we praise you, and we thank you even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, okay, so I think that hopefully the topic today, uh, what I'll be talking about, will uh, help us all. I think it's helped me, and uh, when, I, when God gave this to me, it kind of shifted my direction and my thinking about some things, and even to the degree of just doing things a little bit differently. So we'll start off by just saying, I know uh, that we all have sinned and fallen, <clears throat> excuse me, and fallen short of the glory of God. So anybody that says that they hadn't sinned, the word also says that you're a liar. So nobody's gonna raise their hand and say, hey, I've never sinned or any of those things. We all have done that. However, the usual tendency when we sin since we all have, is to beat ourselves up. You know, we, we promise ourselves, we promise God that we won't commit that sin again many times. And if you guys haven't, I know I have. And too often, while trying my best not to commit that sin, I fall short. I do it again sometimes. Uh, we fall into the same sin sometimes, even when we're trying to do our best. Um, sin many times, especially when it deals with Chemically involved addictions is even tougher to get out because not only are you dealing with the things of the flesh, uh, with dealing with uh, those fleshy things, you're dealing with chemicals that affect how you move forward in things. So that makes it even tougher. The point is, we cannot ourselves overcome the adversary. We just can't. But we know that God can. So the title of today's uh, message is True Repentance. True repentance. We're going to talk a little bit about a right way to repent and a wrong way to repent. So there's a right way that we should repent, and there's a wrong way that we repent. And I know that I am very guilty of repenting the wrong way. So let's uh, start by, let's, so let's, let's go ahead and dive in. And so after we talk about the right way and the wrong way, we're going to talk about some hows, how we can do this thing the right way, and uh, we'll talk about some wrong ways. So let's go ahead and jump in. So repentance in the Bible means to have a change of mind or to have a reversal of one's decision or direction. Repentance in the Bible means to have a change of mind or a reversal of one's decision or one's direction. The Bible is full of repentance of flawed men. 
John the Baptist came and told us, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. So basically he was saying, change your mind. Have a reversal of your decision or your direction. And so if you think about it, when John the Baptist came, he was making that path for Jesus. So he was telling people, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Basically, Jesus is coming, repent. And so Jesus wasn't here for us to repent upon, but they were making concessions through sacrifice, right? But so, so repentance has gone on since the beginning of time, since the first sin, since Cain killed Abel. Um, the Bible says that even David had sin. He, he had to repent. Moses sinned. He had to, I'm sure, repent because we saw him in the transfiguration with Jesus, so it seems like he probably made it all through, we would assume. Uh, so repenting is something that we all must do. It's not a might. If we're going to get in, we must do. And even when we come into the kingdom of God, so if you're not saved, you have to change the direction or the decisions that you've made. You have to make a decision to walk in a direction that leads us to God. So when the Bible tells us to repent, it means we should get off the road of sin and we should turn to a life of godliness. So let's talk about some of those wrong ways that we've repented, right? Um, you know, when people say, well, God knows my heart. Now, that doesn't mean that that's a sin, that, that, that it's wrong. But usually when people are saying, well, God knows my heart, they're usually saying something negative or usually, not all the time. None of you guys in here, it's me. You know, it's, it's always, man, you know, I, I want to do this, but God knew my heart. You know, I'm, I'm going um, to, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do a certain thing. Uh, I'm trying to keep away from it, but God knew my heart. You know, I, I want to tell this person something, but God knew my heart. Or I told this person something. I didn't mean it that way, but God knows my heart, right? That's not repenting. That's just some words, some, some words that we say when we do something that we know we shouldn't do. We're here in Louisiana, so if you're watching this now or later, um, one of the things we say here, you know, before we bless somebody, not bless them, but before we curse them out, basically, we say, we do a pre-repentance. We say, forgive my French. And it's really not French, but that's a Louisiana thing. You know, people say, man, excuse my French, but blah, 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 blah. And I guess they do a pre-repentance. That's not repentance, obviously. Uh, and even if you repent afterwards, you knew you were going to say it, and then you repented. That's just not how we should do that. Um, you know, we'll say, we'll do something, or we'll say something, or we treat somebody wrong, or we commit some sin, or we do something that we know is not right, and we'll say, God, forgive me. And then we move on. Again, that's not repentance. That's some words that you said to get you along today so you can move on to whatever it is you're doing. God forgive me. Now, maybe, maybe you're sincere about it. You know, oh, God forgive me. But the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So when we offend somebody through our sins or if we just sin anyway, God is not stupid. He's not clueless. He knows your heart. You said God knows my heart. Yes, he really does. And so in our casualty, in our casualness sometimes, we make statements that we're just saying just because we're trying to be a good Christian, right? 
Uh, I know I have. But we're going to talk a little bit about the right way. And so what I want to start off with, and we'll talk a little bit about, is just repentance. We, we defined it. Um, we said when the Bible tells us to repent, it means that we should get on a road that leads us to a life of godliness, and that's what we want to do. So I'm going to talk a few ways about, so we talked about the wrong way to repent. We're going to move forward to how, how we should repent, the right way to repent. So there's a wrong way to repent. There's a right way to repent. So we'll start talking now about some right ways to repent and what that looks like. So again, oftentimes when we sin, the motive for our repentance is that it's really that we feel bad for failing. Many times that's the motive for our repentance. We feel bad for, for failing. Let me say that again. Oftentimes when we sin, a motive for repentance is that we feel bad for our failure. Not so much because we sin. Let's see if I can give you guys an example. So, if somebody told me not to do something, I went on and did it anyway and messed up, let's say, let's say Brother Franklin gave me his generator and he told me to do something a certain way and I didn't. And I knew it. I knew he told me, man, don't hit that button right there because all kind of stuff going to mess up. So he gives me the generator in good faith. I get the generator, and I guess I'm talking about generators. Thank God we didn't have any hurricanes. But, you know, you, you get the generator. We use generators here often here in Louisiana for those, for those purposes and others, obviously. But then you hit the button knowing that he told you not to. You give him his generator back. It's not working properly. He knows he had to have hit that button. And we both know that something's not right. I know I hit the button. And now I have to go and repent to Brother Franklin for hitting the button, basically, because I'm going to tell him the truth. Now, if I'm sincere about my repentance to Brother Franklin, there are some things that need to happen. So my repentance shouldn't be simply because I failed. It should be, one, because I sinned. But number one, the repentance, our repentance should be a response to God's goodness. That's what our repentance should be about. It should be a response to God's goodness. Even though I messed up his generator, my repentance should be about God's goodness. So let's go to Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. And when you get there, like myself, Say amen. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. If you don't have it, I'm going to say amen because I got it. Um, if you don't have it, I'm going to go ahead and read, and I'm sure they'll have it up there. So it says, oh, thank you. It says, uh, therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest dost the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despisest thou riches of his goodness 
and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? To repentance. But after thy hardness and an impotent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. But, these are those that don't repent, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first, God's people, and also of the Gentiles, those that traditionally were not of God, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first, God's people, and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. So we see, we see back in verse 4 of this, of this uh, scripture here, of Romans 2, it says that, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So God's goodness should lead us, not I failed, not oops, I made a mistake. That's the catalyst of it. But what really should get us there is what God did for us, is what God did for man. So if we stay in the oops phase, it kind of looks like this. It kind of looks like you know, we fail, and um, it, it kind of looks like this. We give in to sin. So whatever it was, we use the generator, for example. He told me not to do it, but I did it anyway. I sinned. I, I should not have done that. I was disobedient. Then I feel bad and guilty, like, because if you're a Christian, God convicts your heart. Now, if you're not saved, you just continue doing whatever it is you do. But when you get that conviction, you should know when we sin, and if you're not getting that conviction, you need to check yourself. Check your, check your relationship with God. Strengthen that up. But when you get that conviction, you feel bad and you feel guilty. You fail. Then after you fail, you go through and you repent. You say, God, forgive me, or you may pray or whatever it is that you do. Then you kind of say to yourself, okay, well, I'm not going to ever do that again. I'm not going to ever punch that button on uh, Brother Franklin's generator anymore. But if I have this proclivity to punch buttons on generators that I'm not supposed to punch, I'm going to do it again if I'm not sincere about my repentance. So the question is, becomes, how do you get sincere about your repentance and not repeat this cycle of giving in the sin, feeling bad and guilty because you failed, repenting, saying in your mind, oh, I'm not going to ever do that again, and then you see that button. And that finger starts shaking, and <laughs> you want to get over there and punch that button. How do, you, how, do we, how do we get away from that? So we said that our reason for repenting is God and his goodness, because we recognize that God has done something for us. We established that we're sinners, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we deserve justice, not like the no justice, no peace justice. We deserve justice. And what true justice is, is fairness. So I know, I'm, I'm going to raise my hand higher than anybody. I've done so much stuff in my lifetime, I don't want the justice God has for me. <laughs> I want some peace from God. 
And that peace comes only in knowing that Jesus Christ died for our sins, in knowing that as a sinner, God gave us Jesus so we don't have to bear the cost. Bear the cost. Jesus died. He took the death, and it took me so long to really understand this, because I would hear it growing up. I grew up in church. I'd hear it all the time. You know, Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for your sins. He did. But until you really realize it, you don't understand the goodness that God has given us, right? So Jesus, all the bad stuff that I did, obviously, and I'm sure you all already kind of know where I'm going with this, all the bad stuff that I did, Jesus took that up, but he died because that's the justice I was supposed to get. That's the fairness for the sins that I committed. All the people that I talked about, I remember just playing basketball. Sometimes even now, I walk around kind of looking because I don't remember many of the guys' names that I played uh, ball against because I'm not from here, and I just kind of met them, and I didn't take the time to learn their names. I was just real competitive. I wanted to go out there and win. I wanted to play. Love playing basketball. But sometimes I look around because I probably popped a few people and I, you know, I probably said a few things to some people that I shouldn't have. Well, not probably. I know I said some things to some people that I should not have on that court. I, I probably roughed some people up. You know, just all kind of stuff for, for a basketball game, a pickup basketball. I wasn't even getting paid to play, but I did it. So I know that Jesus died for all of those things. So I'm, you know, I'm walking around sometimes just kind of watching because I see a familiar face, and I'm like, man, I wonder if I did something to him on the court. I hope he don't come punch me in the face right now, you know? But I know that Jesus died for all of, my, all of that stuff that I did, all the other things that I did. I'm not telling you all of that. Uh, but all of the things that I've done, Jesus died and took, that, took all of the brutality and the pain and the stigma of walking down a street with nothing on, beaten with a cross on your back, he took all of those things for our sins. So when we repent, we have to remember the goodness of God is why we repent. You know, it's truly, it's, it, it, you know, when God sent Jesus down here, that was all that God had, his only begotten son, his only son. He sent him who didn't do anything wrong, who was part of the Godhead and said, you know, come on down here. And Jesus took all of that, the shame, the times that he could have just wiped, wiped all of humanity out because, you know, things were coming at him a certain way. But he didn't. He stayed the course just so that we could have the opportunity to repent. So God also, uh, so let's, let's go to, uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. I'm saying, when God sent Jesus, he, he paid our price. He paid that price for death. And we'll see here in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. And it reads, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is love, is of love, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. So the Bible is clear. If you don't know God, if you don't know God, you know, God is love. You don't know what love is. And if you're not able to repent, you also probably don't know what 
love is because you don't understand what God did. And that's why we have to be careful with our repentance. We can't just be so casual when we repent because I know I've hurt people. I'm sure I, I know I've hurt my wife, things I've said or things I've done. And so I try to be extra careful when I repent to her, even before I kind of understood the depth of, of, of true repentance. You know, I would, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I shouldn't have said that. Or, hey, I did this. And I'll usually come back. Maybe, and it's not a planned thing, but it's something that's heavy on my heart. Like, man, that was just wrong. You know, I need to go back and do that. And we'll talk more, a little bit more about that. But, you know, whenever, whenever it's really on my heart, and the closer somebody is to you, the, the more hurt that repentance should, should, uh, should put out there. So we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move forward. But we see that God is love, and we see how much God loved us through what he did for us through Jesus. God is able to give us everything we need to truly repent. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. Very familiar scripture. So, everything that we need, God gives us. God is love, so he equips us to be able to, to, be able to truly repent. So, John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave us salvation through this scripture. He tells you, it's pretty clear. You can mull on it, it's, it's, it's straightforward. These are the things that when God said, you know, he would give us everything we need, he's given us this, salvation. So if you don't know who Jesus is, and if you're watching, you can, you can pray, you can Meditate on that scripture. You can pray. You can seek God. You can go to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness and ask him to allow him into your heart, and ye shall be saved. Believing upon the fact that Jesus came of a virgin birth, that he lived a perfect life, died on the cross, went into the grave, defeated Satan, and all of the works that he has against us, and rose and was seen again on this earth. If you believe that, you shall be saved, but you have to repent. So repenting is not just for those of us that know who Jesus is. It's for those that don't as well. And because all of us that are in here, at some point, we didn't know Jesus. You're not born knowing Jesus. At some point, you make a decision that I'm going to go this way. I, myself, as a kid, we went to church. So some things that I learned, they're, how can I say, um, that you learn, you don't really fully understand it because you got it so early, you're just kind of like mulling through life and doing things. And that's the, the, the tough part about being saved when you were a little bitty baby, you know, or you're five years old and you, you learn some scriptures, but you don't really understand what those scriptures mean. When you're older and you come to Christ, you tend to have your own mind about a thing. You tend to be a little bit more skeptical about how things work. You search things out, and as you get them and as you gain that understanding, you know, you try to apply it more. You at least understand what's going on. So there are certain things, and repentance is one of them. You know, I would hear the scripture all the time. John the Baptist said, repent, each and every one of you. You know, the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay, that's good, but to understand that, what true repentance is, is something that 
a little bit deeper. God also gives us wisdom. So he gives us salvation. He gives us wisdom so that we can understand. You can go to James chapter 1, verse 5. God gives us wisdom. And it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. Because sometimes when we are repenting, we're going to need some wisdom in order to repent properly. And I'll talk a little bit about that uh, as we move down in just a little bit. You're going to need some wisdom. Sometimes, you know, just saying, man, I'm sorry. Or, man, you know, I repent. Or, man, forgive me. You know, you may need to be a little bit more creative than that when you're repenting, when you've wronged someone. You may need to be more creative when you go to God and talk about repenting, depending on what it is. Because as humans, sometimes we embody things that we do. We sin, and man, it's, it's just really hard to get over. There's some things that I've done, it's like, Lord. You know, and we know God takes up our sin. We just have to tell him that one time. We understand that. But as human beings, some things that we've done, some things that I've done, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of like in my mind. I know I'm forgiven for it, but it's like, Lord, I don't understand. How, but we don't, we can't know everything about God. We don't understand the depth of his goodness, the depth of his everlasting kindness towards us, how we can do stuff that's so heinous and God can still take us up. Hallelujah for God for doing those things. So, and, and that's for me. You know, I don't know your stuff. You don't have to come tell me. I don't want to know like that because I got enough stuff I'm dealing with myself. But God is so good. He's wonderful. You know, the fact that he will take up all our mess, all our, I won't say it, excrement. <laughs> he's, he's, he's awesome. He really is. You know, things that nobody would forgive you for. And I don't know about you guys. I know about myself. God is so good, and I thank him for his goodness and his love and kindness towards us. Last thing I'm going to talk about here that God gives us, and he gives us more, but it's peace. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. God gives us peace. So when we repent, God gives us a peace about those things. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, unto God. And the peace, and the peace, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, which is what I was just talking about. Sometimes we don't understand how God can forgive us for some of the things that we've done. But he says, the peace which passeth all understanding shall keep our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we're dealing with people that don't know Jesus, if they don't have peace, there you go. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Peace that transcends all understanding shall keep your heart and your mind. And, 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 and so some of the things that people are dealing with, they're dealing with them because they don't know Jesus. We've already said God is love. So if you don't know who God is, you don't know love. You might think you know. You might know, you know, huggy, huggy, and you might know, uh, you know, love of materials and things like that. But you don't know God because you don't need all of that to know God. You need a relationship with him. 
And that's all you really, really need. Now, there's some things, you know, food, clothing, shelter, those things, but he gives, all, he gives us all of those things. But to really know God, to, to really know love, one must know God, right? So we see that God has given us these things, salvation, wisdom, and peace. And God has given us all that he has, as I mentioned earlier, through our, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. So repentance should not start with, I need to be better. Repentance, again, is a response to God's goodness towards us. Repentance is a response to God's goodness towards us. So when things happen, we don't say, I feel bad. We don't go through the, the cycle again. We don't cycle through and say, you know, I sin. I feel bad. I'm guilty. I failed. I repent. I never do it again. Repeat. We don't do that. We recognize that God is good. He has the ability to forgive us, and he wants us to have eternal life with him. God says that it is for that he wants, it is, it is his will that all men be saved. All men are not going to be saved. Why? Is it, God already told you what his will is. He wants all men to be saved. But all men don't want to be saved. So God is not going to overcome their will. Now, God, we saw what he did with Paul, so you know, we don't put God in a box. But he said, it's his will that all men will be saved. I know people that are not saved. I pray that they will be saved. But if they don't change their heart, if they don't repent, if they don't make a decision to, to, to turn to God, if they, don't, uh, if they don't have a reversal of the direction and the decisions that they're making, they're not going to be saved. And there's a place for those people. And it's not funny. I'm not making any kind of joke towards that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. However, that's the consequence for not having salvation. So the next thing we're going to talk about, and I mentioned earlier, repentance should have fruit. Repentance should have fruit. Not like apples and oranges, kids, but uh, it should have fruit. Uh, Let's go to... uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 20. Acts chapter 26, verse 20. I'm going to try to get here real quick. Acts 26, verse 20. And it reads, But showed first unto them of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. And do works meet for repentance. Fruit for repentance. So we see here that the things that we need, we should have fruit when we're repenting. We need to do some works. There's some things that need to be done when we repent, we should turn to God to do works befitting repentance. So, let's say, walk over here. This is a tree, right? So we're saying that uh, it's really just like a thing, but we're gonna we're gonna say it's a tree. So, if you see a tree, and there was a scripture about Jesus, I'm not gonna go to that right now, but if you see a tree. And we're going to look at this tree in the same vein as repentance, right? And 
if you need some nourishment from it, it's going to need to have some fruit. Because as human beings, you know, there are some trees that, I guess, maybe, I don't know. I know there's some plants, but I don't know of any trees that you can eat the leaves or the wood. If there is, let me know, because I, I may be off on that. Uh, Brother Rob, I'm sure, could tell me, maybe. But uh, we have a guy here in our church, for those that are online, that does a lot of outdoor stuff. His son probably knows as well, but he's in the back. Uh, but I don't know of any trees that you can eat the leaves or that you can eat the wood on it. But if you come to a tree and there's no fruit on it, edible fruit, then it's not going to be real good for you. So in the same vein, if I repent to someone and my repentance does not have any fruit, doesn't bring any nourishment to the person that I'm repenting to, or if I'm just repenting to God for something that I did, if it's not fervent, if it's not heartfelt, then many times we miss. You know, and God will hear you, you know, but again, we say God knows our heart. Sometimes we get down and we pray and we're rushing through a prayer. And, Lord, I did this and no, no, Okay. Many times, God, that conviction will come up on you. You need to deal with that. What does that mean when you, when you repent and fruit? Well, this looks more like fruit right here like a little apple growing up on the, the, the fall bush that we have here that Sister Laura so beautifully decorates the church with. You could probably, if that were real, you could eat it. As, as we repent and we deal with people, some things that we've done have hurt people so bad, you may need to do more than, again, as I mentioned earlier, just say, I repent. You may need to go get something. Gentlemen, dinners are nice, <laughs> you know, but it's not just about the dinner. It's about that time you get to spend with that person, whether it's your wife or even if it's somebody else. You may need to sit down and, 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 and make an investment because, you know, most trees, when they, when they come up, it takes a while before fruit gets, into it, gets on to it. It's some work. There's some, sometimes you got to prune around them. Sometimes you got to dig around them. Sometimes, you know, you have to wait several years for any fruit to show. So sometimes that fruit shows that you're working, that you've done something, that you're able and want to give to that person to show that, hey, man, I'm sorry for what I did. And it's not about being sorry. It's, again, recognizing the goodness of God and passing it on to that person that you may have hurt. So we must, we must bear fruit whenever uh, we're... For, for true repentance, there must be some fruit that is bared, right? Um, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, we're still talking about the fruit of repentance. Um, we want to make sure, again, that we're serious when we're repenting. It in, when we repent, it infers, it also infers action on the, on, on the reporter's behalf. Basically, what are we going to do in order to, uh, and, and what steps are we going to take, again, as we've repented and not to commit those sins again? So we're going to kind of go back, even though we're talking about fruit, we're going to talk a little bit about things that we can do to not make those mistakes again as we've repented. So sometimes when we've done whatever it is we've done, whether it's to somebody or not, we need to walk and minimize the triggers that we have that may cause us to do a thing. So I'm going to get off the generator right now. I'm not going to talk about Brother Franklin's generator that I messed up uh, imaginarily. Uh, but there are certain things that, that we can do that cause us to fall back into sin. 
when you recognize what those things are, you have to do whatever you can to avoid those things. So if a guy is attracted to some woman and he's found himself in situations with them, you need to avoid that woman. I'm going to tell you one of the things I do. I don't have any attraction to no women like that when I'm trying to be with some other woman. I don't. But what I do do, and I heard this from a minister a long time ago. I, well, I, yeah, I heard this from a minister a long time ago. If I even see somebody that I think I'm attracted to like that, I go the other way. I avoid that person. And when I get home, if that person that I may think I like or whatever or that I'm trying to avoid says something to me, I go tell my wife. Now, some people say, well, and, and depending on what your situation is, you might need to be a little bit you know, careful, I guess. But I've always done that because I've never wanted anything to be out in the street. If I, if I the, the jobs that I had before, sometimes I would have to go and have lunch with a lady or whatever. I'd call my wife and say, hey, we're going to be at so-and-so from such and such time to about such and such time. I didn't want anybody calling saying, hey, man, he's sitting there with so-and-so, and she sure look good. No, you're going to hear it from me first. Hey, baby, this lady said this and that to me. I'm just telling I don't know her name. She looked like this, but hey, because I don't want something to get back to her, so I'm going to minimize whatever trigger, and that's just an example. I, again, I do do that. I've never had a situation where my wife came to me and said, who is that? What you doing with her? Why are you talking? Never had that happen, but before the action gets started, I already take action to make sure that I'm not dealing with that in that manner, right? Um, the other thing, you want to create known boundaries. So the things that you know, let's get off of that, that you know you have a propensity to messing up on or sinning about or, or just doing that you're not supposed to be doing. You need to set some boundaries, whatever those things are. Um, again, I'll use myself as an example. I remember before, um, before Sanjay and I got married, there were some, some young ladies that I dated that would call me or whatever. And once I got engaged, I picked up the phone, called them, and said, and not that we were having any kind of relationship, but they would call sometimes, hey, Justine, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good. You know, see you. But I'd call those people. And I said, I really did. I called them and said, well, hey, look, I was just calling to let you know the good news. Brother getting married. Just want to let you know, have a good life. <laughs> Basically, it was like that. Man, I'm telling you, saved me a lot of trouble. Kept me from a lot of repenting. Because I did have a few that even after that, that would call me. The same people. And I'm like, not, it was one, really. And I'm like, <laughs> like, what part of this do you not understand? You know, so, again, have a good life. Hang up it but you need to create some boundaries. Don't keep those numbers in your phone, you know? Now, some, some people have friends. Some people are, you know, a lot more, uh, probably not as jealous as I am. See, I go by the code of, you know, God say he a jealous God. Chris say he a jealous husband. Now, some people will say, oh, man, you're just insecure. I'm not insecure at all. I'm not, but I'm not crazy. If, you, if you're married to someone, if you're dating someone, and people tell you that stuff, Man, look, either, and this is in my mind, this ain't in the Bible or any of that stuff, this Chris, either 
the person you with must not be all that if you just let them go or whatever. Like some comedian said, the, 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 the latest, and I didn't think of this guy, it was just kind of coming off the top of my head, you know, that he, uh, he told his wife, uh, his wife said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the moon. She said, you be careful. I'm like, if you're dealing with, <laughs> if you're dealing with somebody that you can just tell anything and they just go, I guess you can, you know, just not care because apparently nobody wants her. But if you got somebody that somebody wants, then I would think that you need to be a little jealous and not jealous where you're stalking people and you're calling them, checking on their every move and all of that stuff. Because there's times that me and my wife, it may be a whole day sometimes. We may not get a, ch a chance to really talk and have a conversation. But I've never felt like, oh, you know, she's out doing something and I hope she's never felt that way about me. At least she's never told me that other than wanting to be together. But I just think that if you don't have somebody that you're jealous about, you might need to find somebody else. Because, well, not if you're married. But if you're not married, <laughs> you're married, you gotta hang in there and y'all do some stuff to make you jealous about other people, you know, doing whatever. But, and I'm not, you know, my wife can talk to other men and deal with them, but to a degree. You know, you can't be every day we go eat lunch. I don't know about all of that. Now, some people do that. And if you do, hey, you know where I stand on that. But I'm like, no, I want to eat lunch with you, <laughs> you know? So anyway, you know, you want to you wanna set up some boundaries we were talking about so that we're not having to repent about certain things all the time. The last thing here, um, we're, we're talking, well, I said not the last thing, but we're talking about things that, uh, steps that we can take to not sin. When we sin, the Bible tells us we should confess our sin, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us from all unrighteousness. So we should confess our sin. Now, again, and you've probably heard it in this church before, we're not running around just telling everybody, hey, man, I sinned. Man, you want to hear what I did last night? No, that's, that's not what we're talking about. If you don't have somebody in your life that you are comfortable, that can keep things confidential, that is saved, you, you need to find who that person is. And we're talking about people that know God. You need to, most of us have somebody in their life that they can go to and say, man, I'm struggling with this. You know, I, I've repented, but man, I just need to get this off my chest. And usually it's only like one. If you got two, you, you're blessed. But usually it's one person in your life that you can go and talk to. I have a friend, he and I, we talk about all kinds of stuff. And he's just a good guy. He's saved. His family is doing well. Uh, and that doesn't, that it, doesn't mean that that's the person, but all, I think all of us, you know, as we, as we walk in this life, there's that one person that you can talk to. And again, you don't just dump on the person, but there are certain things that as human beings we go through. Now, I'm not really into the whole accountability thing. You know, I need you to hold me accountable. You need, you need to recognize the goodness of God and who he is, that he has the power to save you or to allow you to go to hell, and that needs to be your accountability there. But Having that person that you can go to and confess, their, confess a sin to is a huge help in that walk and helps us as we repent to continue to move forward in a way that is pleasing to God. So let's, let's uh, so I got to, so I, I remember, um, so let, let, we'll, we'll move to the next thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we'll move to the next thing. So the next thing is that repentance, I believe, that repentance should be extreme. 
Repentance should be extreme. Well, what do I mean? What do you mean, Brother Chris? Repentance should be extreme. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, when I was, I was out of school, I don't know if I was married or not. I don't know. I may have been. But, man, I used to listen to all kind of rap music. Used to love it. MC Light, uh, KRS-One, all of these old school. I used to listen to all of it. Um, um, Public Enemy and all these people, all of the music, man, I used to listen to it. Used to know it word for word, heart for heart. I couldn't break dance. I don't dance all that good. I never tried all of that. But I did. I used to listen to music. I used to buy the albums. In fact, those albums right now would be worth a lot. These are the vinyl. Had a ton of them. I had the sleeve on it, had everything, the price, where I got it from, stacked up. I had a ton of them. But when I truly made it, well, so it was, this was before uh, we got married. So when I truly made, no, this was after I got married. So I made the decision that and God had already convicted me of it. So I wasn't listening to it like that. But I had all the albums, man. I had them stacked up. It's like, man, it's going to be worth something one day. And so I had them, and I didn't listen. I didn't have a turntable anymore, so I didn't listen to them. But the conviction was so strong on me, and I repented. I came to God, I remember. And this was extreme for me. I took all of those albums, and I threw them away. And I'm sure those albums would be worth a whole lot. Now, some would say, man, you crazy. You should have took them albums somewhere else. But when God, when, when, when there's something that comes upon you, and God wants you to go in a certain direction, when that conviction hits you, you got to move. You got to be about it because, you know, God gives us chances, but he's also trying to see whether or not we're going to heed to what it is that he's wanting us to do. And for me, that's what God wanted me to do. He wanted me to take an extreme measure because in that case, I believe that true repentance should have been extreme, extreme enough. I didn't do it when I first stopped listening to him, but I sensed, I'm like, this, this, this isn't right for me. And sin is when God tells you something and you're disobedient to it. That's sin. Now, it might have been fine for some other Christians to hang on to them and sell them, but that's not what I heard from God. That's not what I experienced in my heart. I experienced get them albums and toss them. Was it a whole bunch of cursing on most of the albums? No, not a lot, but it had some on there. It had some words on there you shouldn't have said and definitely some themes that should not have been on there uh, that, that I listened to that were playing, but I heard in that moment, man, you need to get rid of that. Get that out of your house. And I did, because I believed that if I kept it in my house, God was going to help me to know that you're not, he's not pleased with where I'm at in that moment. And so I got rid of them. So I believe that it should be extreme. And we're going to see here what we mean by this being extreme. So let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 through 30. And if I'm correct, I, think, I want to think Pastor talked about this Wednesday night, if I'm correct. But let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 and 30, because Jesus, you know, man, he, he said some extreme stuff here. So let's see what he says. He said, and if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 30. And if thy right hand, this one, offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For, if, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. 
So, Jesus was pretty extreme. Now, many people will say that this scripture, and let me, let me do a disclaimer for all of the children out there or people that may be thinking, you know, I need to go cut my hand off because I did this with it with my right hand. That's not where he's trying to push you to, to go cut your hand off or pluck your eye out. However, so don't do that. Don't cut your hand off. Don't cut your eye out or any other thing on your body that you think is evil because it's not. Men are fleshy. We're evil. We do all those things. But God, I don't think that's what he's talking about specifically. But he's being extreme in his example, showing us that we need, this is how he feels about sin. He wants us to cut it out. He's that extreme about the direction that we're going. And he's that extreme about us in our repentance, that we should repent and get that out of our lives. Because if it's recurring, it continues to degrade us. It takes us down further and further and further. So he's saying, and if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. Now, the truth of the matter is, and this is just how I feel. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm no theological marvel or anything like that. Even though we know that Jesus isn't telling us to go cut our hand off, if that were, were true, that if your right hand offended you to the point where you would not go to heaven, it would be better for you to cut your hand off and make it into heaven than to have it. So I know that's not, I don't think that's what he's saying to us. Don't go cut your hand off. But in some places in the world, if you steal with that right hand, you got an itchy right hand, there's a place called Chop Chop. They'll cut it off. Oh, we caught you stealing? Chop, you won't steal with that hand anymore. They believe in an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And so, again, we talked about why we should repent, not so much just out of, well, I failed and I sinned, but the goodness of God. We have a God that's so good, Jesus here is telling us that if your right hand offend you, cut it off. He doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to be whole, which is why he's telling us, hey, if, if, if this is offending you and making you lead to heaven, it would be better that you go in there without this and make it in. So to me, that's pretty extreme. We see Jesus using a very extreme example to get his point across about how much he hates sin and how extreme our repentance should be so that we don't miss out on God. Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Another extreme, uh, another extreme thing that Jesus said. Luke chapter 9. Verse 23. Oh, going in the wrong direction there. Luke 9, 23. I see they have it up there, so I'm just going to use it. I know where it is, but I'm stumbling through right now. It says, uh, and he said to them, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Would you go to the next verse, please, if you can? If it, I, don't, I don't know if you have it. If not, I'll find it here, and I'll... Uh, Okay, and it says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall, find, shall save it. So what Jesus is talking about here, if we think about what, what, what Jesus is saying, or what is being said here, where he says that you need to pick up your cross daily. When Jesus said this to these people, there wasn't, uh, Jesus hadn't been crucified at that time. However, the people he was talking to 
knew what crucifixion was because they had seen those Roman soldiers put a, a, a big board on people's back, tied to them, nail their hands down, and make you walk down the street basically with nothing on, beaten, because their whole point was to humiliate you. So really what Jesus is saying here, that in our walk as we repent, that we can recognize that when we take up that cross, it's not, it's saying, yes, we should, we should die to ourselves, but basically he's saying also that in that, in our walk, in our Christian walk, there's going to be some times as a Christian, we're going to be humiliated. When, you're going to, when you stand on the truth, especially now if you can't see it, just open your eyes, just peek. If your eyes are closed, just peek a little bit. You're going to see the evil that's going on right now. And when you stand on the truth, you know, when you go, if you go and start talking loud to somebody about Jesus at the grocery store or anywhere at the game or Whatever it is you're doing, people are going to look at you like you're crazy almost, unless you're surrounded by some other people that are saved, hopefully. And sometimes they kind of looking like, what is he talking about? Just go in there. Just go up. Say, man, man, what you think about Jesus? And, and watch, the, 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 uh, watch, the, watch what you get. Watch the, uh, the looks that you get. See the, uh, <laughs> how people are going to stare at you. I can't believe that you're openly talking about Jesus out here. What, what, what is up with you? That's where we are. So when Jesus is talking about picking up your cross daily, you're going to have some, and not that every day you go out you are, but you will. If you, if you truly know who God is, and if you're not afraid, if you're not ashamed to talk about who he is, then you're going to have some, some persecution coming on. However, recognize that God has already overcome the world, and that's where our strength should come in, and that's why when we talk about God, it shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't. Now, we should be wise. You know, the Bible tells us we should be uh, as wise as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. You know, we should, we should operate in some wisdom, because there are some things that we're getting done. There's some of us in here that flow in high places, you know, but we also, in those times when we have, especially with people one-on-one -on -one, or when people come to us about things that are going on in their lives, we can't be silent because you're no good to God if you don't open your mouth about him. He says that basically if we don't confess him, he's going to forget about you when you come up there, when your time comes and you come before him. So we, and, and we're, I, I know I'm guilty of missing my opportunities sometimes, but we have to. We have to open our mind. And we at the very least need to be thinking about it and not cowering back and when we do miss it, we have to have some true repentance. Father, I was wrong. I didn't mention your name. Father, strengthen me. Help my unbelief. Help me to come before you in the way that I should. And help me to speak your name to those that you have commissioned me, that the Holy Spirit has commissioned me to speak it to. There's gonna, we're not going to escape out of here without persecution, without people looking at us a certain way, without having some things not go our way the, the way we want to because of who we are, because we've professed the name of Jesus Christ. It's just going to happen. That's where we are. So, and I'm not telling you to talk bad about anybody or any of those things, but eventually who you are, people already know because it's spirit. When you go places, people know there's something different about you if you're serving Jesus. People already know the way you talk, the things you say, the things you don't say, the things you look at, the... The way you look, the way you don't look. I was at the game and, uh, yesterday and uh, working, 
And it was just amazing what people were wearing. And it was cold outside. Or cool, cold for Louisiana anyway. By the time it was all said and done. And I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. So your appearance, all of those things, and I'm not telling you you got to look a certain way or do your hair a certain way. That's not it. But because of the spirit of God upon you, there's just certain ways we're going to do things, right? So we have to recognize that we have to be extreme in our repentance. Uh, a little bit more here, and then we're going to get ready to shut down. Give me one second. So we're, we're talking about being extreme in, in our repentance. Uh, we've said that in the beginning, the first thing really is that we have to recognize the goodness, goodness of God as we repent. We recognize that we don't repent because we fail. Yes, we've sinned, and obviously when we sin, we repent. But we repent because we recognize that God has a goodness on our life. But he sent Jesus to cover us, to, to keep us, to give us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance in many cases. Never give up on God, even though we recognize that it's God's goodness. It's not that we keep sinning to get God's goodness, obviously, but we repent and we pray fervently because it's through those, those fervent prayers. And fervent prayer, guys, is when you're down there and if you're not crying, you're probably feeling like it. it's heartfelt prayer. It's when you're really seeking and you're praying to God, God, help me. I, I don't know. And when we get up, again, we talked about the right way to repent. There's actions. We talked about fruit. Repentance should have fruit, should bear fruit. When we pray, we should do that, but we also need to change our ways and how we go about doing things to bear the fruit that we need as we've repented. You may need to pray more. You may need to fellowship more. You may say, if you're watching, if you come here and you're struggling with whatever it is, you might need to get up in this house a little bit more. Now, God don't live in here, but he also says where two or three are gathered, also, are ye. It also is he. So you may need to get up in here and do more fellowship, fellowshipping with people of like minds because even riding down the road now, you hear all kind of words on music that's just crazy. It's just crazy. There was a time I remember as a kid standing out in front of the church, and the guys would walk by, they had these big old boom boxes. Man, they'd be walking. And if we were outside, and these were, you know, these weren't people that came to church. These were just guys, you know, uh, people from the Rice Mill Gang. That was a gang in, in, in Lake Charles. You know, they walking by, but they'd get by the church, man. They'd turn that thing down. Oh, man, I ain't offending God. they keep walking. And then when they get down there, then they turn it back up because they would pass the church. That day is over with. Man, you got people throwing all kind of stuff in the church, doing, trying to rob, you know, all kind of things. And thank God, God has, has blessed us and kept us here. But there's things that we've seen here that is like, man, I can't believe you would disrespect the church like that. But that day is over with. So we have to recognize that, you know, we, we have to bear fruit in, in, our, in our repentance. And the last thing that I mentioned, our repentance, it should be extreme. We have to get in there with God. It has to be more than excuse my French, you know, a pre-repentance for something you know you're about to do because you know you're about to cuss or whatever. It has to be more than, God, forgive me. Uh, well, God, yeah, I did that, but God, you know my heart. I ain't really mean it like that, but I had to tell him. You know, it, 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 repentance has to go beyond that. It has to be heartfelt prayer, heartfelt time that we spend with God. And again, we said that God, will, you know, he equips us. He gives us salvation. He gives us peace. He gives us wisdom. 
we, I can't tell you if you've wronged somebody how that repentance needs to be on the back end for that person. And sometimes you lose a person, you may never get them back. But when we repent, you know, especially in situations with relationships where either you're working or you're married, those relationships have to continue on, ask God for wisdom. He said he'll give it to you liberally. Ask him. He will give it to you so that you know how you should repent and you know what you need to do to, to, to help that person see that you're truly sorry for what you did. To me, that's extremely important. I do not like when people do it. And, and again, God is dealing with me. He's helping me to overcome some of these things and, 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 and be as a dead man. You know, when we come to Christ, we should be dead. So, you know, a dead man, nothing affects him. You go hit him, hey, you're not going to do anything. You can say all kind of stuff to him. And if he's truly dead, he ain't going to say anything to you. I ain't all the way there yet. I ain't all the way dead. I'm trying to work on that. So when people do things, I can slide on. And there, and there are things that I'm working on. There's things now, my goal, and I'm going to do this after this message because I wanted to wait until this was done. But all of the people that it's hard for me to forgive, that I'm repenting about, I'm going to write their names down. And I'm going to write today's date down in my little journal deal that I hadn't used in forever. But I'm going to write that down because I need God to work on me. So this message isn't about just everybody. It's definitely for me uh, on, on just being extreme in how I repent and praying and praying for those people as God has told us because God has told us that we should pray for our neighbor, for, for those that spitefully use us. And I know some people that have spitefully used me, and I ain't too happy about it, but I got to give that to God so that I can move on, so that I can be more like that dead man when those things happen. I say, Lord, I'm giving that to you, and I keep moving. Because if not, it eats at you. So the truth of the matter here, guys, is that one, we said, one, repentance, we, we should be drawn to repentance because of the good of, goodness of God. Two, we should repent. Our repentance should bear fruit. We may have to do some things there. We may have to, uh, it, it should be something that uh, we can give, that we can, uh, that, that should be seen, possibly, and not so much physically, but seen in the sense of it accomplishes something, that it's good, it's nourishing. And three, that repentance should be, in my mind, and maybe I could have maybe used a better word, but that it should be extreme, that, you know, you should get in there. We talked about plucking out our eye and cutting out our hand so that, you know, we don't go to, that we don't go to hell, that we spend eternity with, with our Lord. All of those things are, are, are real for true repentance. That's what true repentance is. You have to get in there sometimes and, and, and really do that. You know, the, the casualness, you don't want to get caught and be casual in what you do in repenting, because that becomes easy, and that can easily become a part of who you are now. I did this, but that ain't, you know, you cuss, or you look at the woman, and, you know, man, I'm just looking. I ain't touching. I'm just looking. No, man, God is not pleased with that. Now, I know we live in a society where all kind of things of lusts and so on go on, but, you know, and, and men, you know, men are drawn by their eyes, but you're going to have to you might have to ask God to help you turn your head from whatever it is you're looking at. You need to repent. You need to pray. You need to ask God fervently for help in those matters. And I'm using that, but there's many other things that the, that the adversary throws at us. Money or whatever it is. I treat people a certain way behind money. You know, money dictates the way I deal with people. You need help. You need some repentance. So repentance should be extreme. The goodness of God, fruit, and should be extreme. So I'll close in saying this, that true repentance is tough. It's not an easy thing. 
It's not something that you just do and it's over with. If you're truly concerned about true repentance and about getting your life with right, getting your life right with Christ and with God, Holy Spirit, you need to, you need to, you gotta dig deep. It's tough. It's not easy. It's tough, but it's good for us. It's good for us when we repent and when we repent the right way. So with that, I'm going to say amen, God bless, and we will pray, and we'll get out of here and have a good Sunday. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the word, Father. We ask that even now, that Lord, as we move through this life, that as we repent, we see it in a different way that we recognize, dear God, that repentance is for us and that it is good for us, even though it may, be, may bring some inconveniences in our lives, it may bring us to a place, Heavenly Father, where we're doing things a little bit differently, but that we recognize, God, that that repentance will lead us to the cross and eternity with you. Father, we pray for traveling mercies for everyone that is on their way. We thank you for everyone that may have listened, Heavenly Father, via the internet. So, Father, we thank you for all that you have done, we praise you and we bless you even now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.